1: Throbbing his old sweet song. Wake up, wake up, you sleepy head. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, love and be happy. What if I be blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for a... And when he starts rubbing his own sweet song I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again Singing a song When the red, red robin comes Bob, bob, bob bobbing along
2: Lustre finishing and atrocious refereeing cost the addicts dear as the relegation trap door creaks open that little bit wider. Welcome to Charlton Live. Charlton Live! So, good evening and welcome to Charlton Live on your Sunday evening. My name is Louis Mendez. We're going to be looking back at the 1-0 home defeat against Reading at the Valley yesterday. Joining me to do just that on the phone, we've got uh, Mr. Tom Wallen. How are you doing, Tom?
3: I'm all right, I suppose.
2: Yeah? Got over yesterday yet?
3: Mm, nah, but games come thick and fast, don't they? Yeah. So. Exactly. Can't worry about it for too much exactly. longer.
2: Yeah, you have got to worry about Birmingham very soon. Uh, yeah. A man who I'm sure is already worrying about Birmingham, of course, is Lewis Cat. How are you doing, Lewis? Yeah, good mate. Yeah. Hey, okay. Yeah, not too bad. Are you? Are you? Is is your bum clinching now? A Bit worried about the relegation.
4: A bit, mate. Yeah, a bit. I mean, we've spoken so many times about how tight it is down there, haven't we? And um, sorry, I
2: are we, we still talking we about just... the relegation? Are we talking about your bum? <laughs>
4: well, whatever, whatever way you want to talk
2: about it, mate, whatever way. <laughs> yeah. be the relegation yeah. huh? <laughs> uh, A man who uh, has never been accused of being tight, of course, in the financial sense, is uh, Terry Smith. How do you intel? I'm
5: good, yes. Thank you. I bet you where I was going with uh, that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a glorious day with the family, barbecue, gorgeous, lovely weather, and I'm still miserable. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure it's uh, because I'm thinking of losing his bunk in Yeah, to be
2: honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry that I've put that. Uh, Image in everybody's mind on a on a Sunday evening, uh, yeah, right. So uh, on on this evening's uh, podcast, we will be looking back at that one nil defeat against uh, Reading. We'll hear the highlights, uh, which included a special guest uh, from Valley Pass yesterday. We'll hear what Lee Bayer uh, made of the game as well. Um, we'll read out some tweets and emails that have come in, discuss, of course, the latest takeover shenanigans that sort of started breaking towards the end of the weekend yesterday. More confusion reigns and frustration, really, uh, over the ownership situation at the Valley. And as I mentioned, there was a a special guest on uh, Valley Pass yesterday. Laurie Wilson uh, joined uh, Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith when they were doing the Valley Pass commentary. Uh, So we've got a little uh, anecdote that that Laurie shared yesterday. Uh, We'll we'll listen to that later on before we start to look ahead, of course, to that massive game uh, at Birmingham on Wednesday evening. It's going to be a packed show. uh, So we best dive straight into it then, Tell So just before we hear the highlights... um, I mean, there's not many referees who are on uh, Lee Bayer's Christmas card list, but uh, was it Darren Bond? Certainly won't be.
5: Uh, yeah, I thought he was a remarkably restrained. At least he was uh, when I spoke to him, uh, and you spoke to him afterwards. I thought he'd be uh, he'd be a lot more uh, um, I don't know, vociferous, and uh, he'd be uh, he'd be giving it a, a large. But uh, yeah, he was remarkably uh, chilled considering uh, considering what he'd just been put uh, put through. Uh, yeah, you just uh, you just can't. The, the, what can you do? You can, you know, it makes you wonder. You, you spend all, all, the, you know, the weeks and or however long it takes to prepare your side, and then you, then you come up against the side and you prepare tactics if you do, and and, and how, how best you can beat them, beat the the side that you're facing against. You cannot legislate for the sort of nonsense we had to put up with here. So I mean, you just can't, can you? And it wasn't just the, the you know, the two crucial decisions. But uh, just generally, everything else—it was, it was such an inept, inept performance by, by all three of them. It weren't just one, just the
2: one in the middle. Yeah, incredibly, <laughs> it, was, it was beyond parody. Yeah, yeah, that's one way of putting it. And of course, the the main points that Terry was referring to there—the goal for Chucks and that was incorrectly ruled out for offside, and the clear the, the clear shirt pull on Jake Forster Kasky inside the penalty area in the closing stages—neither of those decisions go in Charlton's way. And Tom, I guess that just adds to the frustration at full time, but. It is a case of, well, you'd rather referee decisions didn't come into it, but at the same time, our finishing didn't help either.
4: Yeah, I'm
3: not going to defend the referee at all, because those decisions, for me, were clear-cut, and we should have had a goal that was ruled out, and we should have had a penalty as well. But, despite all that, I don't think we can cover up that that performance wasn't really good enough against a Reading side who haven't been particularly good. I know they hammered a team midweek last week, but Aside from that, they've been very up and down. Um, And I think we all saw yesterday as an opportunity to put things right. We spoke on Thursday about the fact that, obviously, we'd lost to Millwall, which, if you're a Charlton fan, is no surprise. And we'd lost to Brentford, which is no surprise either. But the other performances in the other games, we've got two wins and a draw. And the draw was a credible one against a good Cardiff side. So I think we've we've actually been okay since the return. Obviously, we've not been free-scoring. But... um, Yeah, we can't, I don't think yesterday was good enough, and I mean, we huffed and puffed was, I think, the way I described it, but we just never looked like scoring, we could have gone for another week playing football and we just wouldn't have scored, and unfortunately at this stage in the season, uh, that's what we need to do, we need to put the ball in the back of the net, and obviously makes Wednesday even bigger now than it already was.
2: Mm, Yeah, and Lewis, I've been looking at the table, which we'll discuss at further length later on in the pod, but... We're we're sitting one point above the, the relegation zone as it stands. We haven't taken Wigan's potential points deduction into account yet. So we're sitting on 46-hole on 45, who, I mean, Millwall finally did us a bloody favour yesterday by going up to the K-Com and winning. But, I mean, it's so tight down there and the fixtures aren't kind for us when you look at our last two games in particular, an in-form Wigan side and uh, Champions-elect lead, so... I mean, yesterday really was one of those ones that we that we we had uh, penciled in as, as as a game we we had to go and win.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I know I sort of felt I, I kind of like many probably wrote the Brentford off uh, the Brentford game off midweek because I didn't really expect to get anything from that. So there was a lot of focus on the on the Reading game because they they don't have a lot to play for. They sort of had their the, you know they can't go up, they can't go down. They're just sort of Sat comfortable mid table, and and I kind of fancied us to go out there, especially at the Valley, and and manage to get something. And the thing is with us at the moment, and and Tom mentioned it before about we aren't free scoring. And I just felt like as soon as Reading scored that penalty after three minutes, I just didn't fancy us to go and score two. And and that's been sort of our main Achilles' heel since coming back from the return. Our performances, I, I feel that we you couldn't really knock them. I feel like we we give hundred percent we try, as Boyer says, you know, the team give him everything every single week. But we can't score, you know, we don't have those natural finishes up front, you know, and it's it's so it makes the whole Lyle Taylor thing even more painful now because you look back at some of these games as you go into naturally and that the chances that we've spurned and you think that would someone of that's you know, a, he is a better striker than, than what we've got, Lyle Taylor, would these results be very different. You don't want to dwell on that because we've been dealt the cards we have. But I, I think our main Achilles heel and what's going to be the main sort of the main point if we do get relegated, then I, I do think the letdown of that is going to be just our lack of quality in that final third, and it makes that Birmingham game now huge. And, and as you say about Wigan as well, you know they 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 know. The penalty that they face, and and they're going to be doing everything they can to try and sort of get pick up as many points as possible, so that whether they get when they got the twelve the twelve points, when they lose them, that it's it's still enough to keep them in the division. And and as you say, Leeds is going to be tough as well. So we've really got to try and get something out of Wednesday. I think if we don't go and win that game, it, it gives us a real uphill battle to stay in this division. But I've not been overly impressed by the teams around us either. So I think that there's there's a lot to play for still. And,
2: and I do think that we've got enough to do it. But the final third is just a real concern for us at the moment. Yeah, frustration reigns supreme at the Valley yesterday. Let's have a listen then to the highlights of the game over on Valley Pass. As I said, special guest Laurie Wilson joined Greg Stubbley and Terry Smith. I'm
5: back in numbers now. Pro show! Uh, to the right-hand side, goes for the return is also out there. Inside it comes to Swift. Swift into the penalty area, and uh, the referee's given a penalty oh, I think that's a in the penalty. early second. Is it Osha larger who was uh, behind the Reading striker? The wrong side, and according to the referee, the pressure on. I'm trying to see who that was who burst into the box. Uh, was it uh, Meta? No, it was um, Rinamata. And down he goes, and the referee points to the spot. Harsh or Fair
6: i think that's fair to be honest i agree i think he got caught the wrong side um there's a great little ball in split the defense
5: well it's Pushkus who's come forward to uh, to take the spot kick and in the opening two and a half minutes charlton faced a penalty can dylan phillips do anything about this just <laughs> steps forward Strikes it and Dylan straight down the middle. Dylan not a million miles away, but it was hit with power and there was nothing he can do about it.
7: Yeah, I have to agree with Laurie. I think it was a penalty. It's a good little bit of football from Reading, in fairness and Swift, who's their key man in the middle of midfield with a lovely ball to Minamoto. Gets inside the pounds here and Oshilaja gets the wrong side of him and there was contact. And I think any time that there's contact from behind, the referee's going to give the pounds to Morgan. Looks for the long diagonal switch towards Matthews. That's a glorious ball. And Matthews has a crossing opportunity for Chelton. Draws it in towards near post. Bond controls. Bond backwards to McGee who shoots the saved by yes. Cabron. And EK taps it in, but it's I think that might be right as well. But the ball from Morgan was superb. Matthews to to Bond.
6: There's a couple of things there that we said the first thing, you know, I said that maybe playing behind them, making turn their back. Matthews has gone forward, making larger do the, the dirty work of, of football. He found the ball into feet, into your striker, and you've managed to get a shot off and a, and a disallowed goal.
5: Well, that's one, uh, one for the replays to let yeah. us know whether it was. I mean, to be fair, he looked it when he put the ball in, but was he there when the ball was first struck is the big question. Cullen
7: ball down the line looking for McGeady they might have gone out of play but the linesman was at his back to it and John will play on with McGeady McGeady trying to work a bit of space drills it towards near post bomb of the touch oh, it's just wide he should have scored and he knows it oh man. did that not go in and there is the halftime whistle. We're here at the Valley. It is Red in One. Charlton Neal finds him. Magidi crossing opportunity. Cuts back inside. Magidi chip ball in the penalty area. Anike controls. Anike still. has oh, a shot that's deflected. Oh. Great strength from Anike. I think it was. I think it was. was Osho getting back and just yeah. blocking the
6: shot? That was a fantastic little ball from Magidi and strength from Aniki there. It's a shame the ball the ball didn't drop. Just it yeah. just wasn't dropping quick enough.
5: Pearce has got to on this near side, who rides Great the challenge, challenge,
6: lovely touch into his own path. Still up against
5: Meite, but he goes past him to the touchline, gets the ball back across. It's headed in, Bradley can't get there. Inches away from the equaliser. So close. Brilliant work by Alfie Tic, but Redding clear it away. Options across and in the middle is uh, Lockyer. Lockyer goes right. And further right now is Matthews. That's a lovely touch into the feet of Venice. It's got to
6: be a pen away, oh no! That's a pen, that's a pen. He said he dived. I think that's a pen.
5: Oh, it was forced to no. was pulled to the floor. The referee has said that's a dive and has given a free kick and a booking.
6: I don't understand why, they, why referees think that they're diving when they're the other side of the, the player. He was the right side of him. Uh,
7: the only question I had was whether the initial contact was outside. And when he blew his whistle, the ref, I thought he was going to give a, at least a free kick of some kind. Well, he, but wa- he
5: waved it away, and so he, he 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 didn't make his mind up straight away. He waved the uh, the decision away, saying it wasn't a foul.
7: When he, again, we need again, we don't have the benefits of replays, but my first initial thought was he, he there was he got the run side of him and, and brought him down. Sends the ball in. It's a deep one again. It's up there. And Nico with ahead of but headed
5: clear by Mite. and that's the final whistle. And Charlton have succumbed to a one-nil defeat here. And it's really hard to take, really hard to take, with a disallowed goal that shouldn't have been, with a penalty claim that was waved away when it was.
7: Charlton just couldn't turn this around. And the stunned silence in the ground says it all, really. I mean, it's not the end of the world for for Charlton's survival hopes, far from it, but, of course, it makes it even more of a mountain now makes Tuesday or uh, Wednesday night should I say even more crucial
2: uh, it doesn't sound any better on second listening <laughs> does it tell uh, I, I, Greg, Greg pointed it out there and, and I put it in the highlights so we could hear it the silence at full time that really hit me because it's so unusual to hear it but it just felt like when that full time whistle went everyone inside the valley all of a sudden it dawned on us oh god we're in big trouble here <laughs>
5: Yeah, I think there was a collective um, head-on, head-on hands moment uh, when, when that final whistle went off. I think uh, and it, I think we were all a bit too shell shocked even to to be um, standing up and, and berating the officials as they walked off, which which is what I'd normally do. Um, so yeah, it was it was um, a sharp intake of breath, I suppose, and, and I think uh, Tom Tom was right, and although I'd slightly disagree, not disagree is probably the wrong word, but uh, I have a slight difference of uh, opinion on, on one thing, in terms of um, uh, you know the, the not scoring because you know we did score and uh, should have had two, um, winning two one would have been acceptable I don't think anybody w- would have uh, would have moaned too much about the the chances missed but he's absolutely right of course that um, you know we haven't and, and Lewis said it as well we haven't got uh, Lyle Taylor we haven't got that 20 uh, goal a season striker that you'd, you'd have you'd have put your house on scoring two goals in that game probably comfortably Uh, and that's the position we're in there's nothing we can do about it so um, we are in for a scrap and and we've got to try and get goals wherever we can and if it's not going to be from strikers we've got to make the most of uh, of set pieces and I think Yesterday, the one thing I think because you can't—I didn't think you can fault the effort, you can fault the, the aptitude of the players. Um, you can uh, you can knock the fact that we didn't uh, score more goals, of course, but that's the position we're in. The one thing I think that disappointed me more than anything was that we didn't vary the, the set pieces up enough for me. You know, we kept knocking balls into the far side into the, to the far post for somebody to head back, or uh, and uh, Reading seemed to just realise that's what we were doing and coach with it and. I'd like to have just vary that about it a bit so they didn't know what
2: was coming. Uh, maybe we could have uh, we could have got more dividends out of that. Mm, yeah, it was, uh, was one of the frustrations. So, Tom, I mean, which, which, which one do you want to take? Do you want to take the offside goal or the uh, the penalty appeal that was turned down? Which one do you want to moan about?
3: Let's go with the offside.
2: Yeah, so we, we saw the shot from Aiden McGeady parried out by the goalkeeper in tricks and EK hammers it home and replay show clearly onside. So annoying. And it...
3: It was, at the time, even live, it was pretty obvious, and like, obviously we're watching at home, and the ca- it's not like the camera is level at all, so it's at an angle, but even then I thought, well, there's, there's absolutely no way he can be offside, no way, and you couldn't even see the guy at the back post, I just knew he was there because I'd been watching the play, and then you watch it back, and obviously the replay from behind the goal shows it the, the clearest view, but it's just, as I think Terry said, just complete incompetence on behalf of the officials, and... Again, I'm not going to just blame the officials because I don't think our performance was good enough, but Terry is right in what he said, that we did score a perfectly legitimate goal. And and to get it ruled out at this stage in the season, I mean, it's not too far a stretch to say that that could be the difference between us staying in the league and not. And with everything that's going on behind the scenes, which you're making us talk about later on, with us potentially going down, it's not even just a case of being in that league getting relegated could have much, much wider reaching consequences for a club like us. And if it comes down to a goal like that, now again, you can talk about the fact that, well, maybe we should have performed better anyway. But to have a goal ruled out like that when we've legitimately scored one is just infuriating. And as I say, when it's as obvious as it was, it was just so annoying, so, so annoying because we we deserved a goal there.
2: Yeah, and not the first time we've had a goal ruled out for offside this season when it shouldn't have been now. Of course, Lewis, that leaves the uh, the Jake Forster-Kasky penalty appeal for you then. Um, you know, we're, we're into the closing stage. It's five minutes from the end. We've huffed and puffed. We need something to go our way. All of a sudden, you see Forster-Kasky take the ball beyond a, a ready man. And I mean, clear as day, I could tell in the in the, uh, in the the press gantry from where I was that he had his shirt pulled. And the referee had exactly the same line of vision of me, apart from he was at least, what, 100 yards closer and he saw fit to, to give it the other way and give a yellow card for, for simulation when it was so obvious that his shirt was being pulled.
4: It's one of the worst refereeing decisions I've ever seen. I mean, the thing that angers me the most is that he's given a penalty for an identical foul earlier on in the game on um, on, the, on the Reading player from Deji. You know, I, I've tweeted into to Greg and Tell because obviously you guys don't have the, the luxury of a replay uh, commentating down at the valley, but the, the more you watched it even on the replay, the, the worse it looks as well. <laughs> like it gets even worse. And it is completely frustrating. It, it is, always seems to be our way that, that decisions don't go in our favour. Then when Lee Bowie questions those decisions, it's just made out that oh, it's just Lee Bowie for, you know, being Lee Bowie and giving it to the official and stuff, which is not the case. And, and as Tom says there, it's it's so much more than a decision, really. You know, as we've, we've said the future of the club is up in the air at the moment what division the club's in come the end of the season will have a huge say in where the future for this club lies and silly decisions like that can make or break careers you know we're we're talking about the the second tier of English football one of the most watched divisions in the world despite it being a second tier and the quality of, of officiating time after time we see it is appalling you can't really I don't think you don't really say it anyway because refs kind of go under the radar but I don't ever ever remember us coming on here and, and sort of saying it was a good referee performance today you know, you know decisions went our way it was fairly neutral he let play go for there's none of that and, and the, the quality of, of the officials in this division is an absolute disgrace and I'm not surprised because it's the EFL that run it but it, it needs looking into and I don't want to be one of those fans that blames the ref for everything because I do think that as Tom says, we had our opportunities to to get back into the game. We didn't take them. With the Chuck's thing, it's extremely frustrating because that's a striker that's not played a lot of football this season, probably hasn't got a lot of confidence in front of goal and that goal could have done him a lot of good. Um, he could have gone on to take the penalty for uh, for Jake. I imagine it, it probably would have been Josh that took it. But regardless of the fact, you know, this is a team that is lacking goals and we've only scored one in each of the games that we've that we've had since we've returned. And if we'd have managed to to go one down and turn it round to a two-one win, I've done bundles for the confidence going into these last three games. So, extremely frustrating. and I do I do feel like we've we've sort of been been had there. If I'm if I'm being mm-hmm. honest,
2: and of course, Taylor, We were off to the the worst possible start with a penalty given against us inside uh, the opening three minutes. Um, and and try and save a little bit of chat about Al- Alby's part in this until after we hear from Lee Bowyer, because I think people will want to hear what Bo says about Alby um and and why he took him off at half time but I mean the the penalty itself um Albi's runner it was who went and it was Deji I I mean at the time I didn't notice I just assumed Deji was caught the wrong side but when you watch it back you can see it was Albi's runner who went Uh, and Deji laid hands on him as he tried to track back and and um you know at the time I thought it was a clear penalty and I I, I don't suppose you you saw that one any differently to me tell no, that's fair
5: Well, that's fair I mean, that's the only thing that uh, uh, Wound me up more since then uh, Because at the time you thought Well, there's his wrong side uh, You're right, that's what that we thought as well um, He's trying to get to the ball from the wrong side The player's always going to fall over And the referee's always going to give a pen That's what you'd feel in normal circumstances <laughs> And that's what he did at the beginning Now, I've watched both of them Subsequently on the, on the Quest highlights yesterday And... Um, there is less contact between Deji and uh, and the Reading player for their penalty than there was for the contact with ours, with Foster Kaski and whoever he, uh, was manhandling him. And I think there's a couple of observations for me. Um, and the first thing, one is that um, when uh, the guy grapples with uh, Jake and brings him down and, and he's got, he's got his, an arm lock, uh, then an arm round and clearly a pull, but at the point he does it, Jake grabs his shirt. Whether that's to try and keep up, stay up, keep balance, I'm not sure. But he gives the referee an excuse. And that's the thing. And so, um, I mean, even the that, um, uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the commentators on Cuesta, they, they had... Um, uh, who was the uh, who was the Sunderland striker at Wembley, Wembley um, back in the day? Michael Kevin Phillips. That's oh, sorry. No, Kevin Phillips. Yeah, yeah. He he said no. The referee was spot on because he saw the shirt pull from Jake Viscusi. Completely ignored the rest of it. So he gave the referee was allowed gave himself an excuse not to give it because he, he obviously saw Jake holding the shirt, probably just to keep himself standing because of what the guy was doing. And this is the bit that that uh, that I want to the comment I want to make on all of this is that given the position we're in like right, Charlton fighting, for relegate, uh, fighting to stay in the, in, the, in the division. People's livelihoods will depend on whether we go down, stay up or go down. F- forget if the uh, officials and, and people don't know about what else is going on in the club. That's a fact. Reading, mid-table, safe. What type of person, what type of human being would you be? When you go into such situations and you think, right, uh, the off the offside first. The, the linesman clearly wasn't, uh, in the right position so he guessed he must have guessed either that or he's a cheat so let's say he's not a cheat he must have guessed when you're guessing would you guess and error on the side of the team that really needs that decision to go their way or would you, <laughs> would, you would you would you guess against them what kind of person would you need to be to guess against? <laughs> I, I think really we're
2: ask, possibly asking a bit much to have a, the referees go easy on us because we're in relegation. No, it's not, it's not. a
5: question of easy, but human nature. Human nature would suggest that if if you had to guess one way or the other, you'd err on the side of well, they need it more than they do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and and uh, it's just it's just beyond uh, belief that anybody would go the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just
2: weird. I'm going to try. I'm going to. I'm gonna try that yeah, that uh you... I'm gonna try that sort of thinking on Camelot when I next play the lottery. Come on, lads, I really need this <laughs> one. <laughs> no,
5: but if yeah, but all right, let's let's that way then, if you had to give somebody like ten million quid, would
2: you give it to the person who lives in a mansion or would you give it to the person who lives in a tent? <laughs> yeah. I I I understand where you're coming from, but even, even I think that's clutching at straws slightly, Tell. <laughs> Um, he's just bending human nature in the wrong direction mm, I don't. Yeah. I think that
5: must be where when you apply to be a referee
2: so what you're saying is the linesman may or may not have actually been a lizard I
5: think he's not a human being yet. yeah I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's definitely where I'm coming okay. from there are, people have people have been selecting referees from different planets that's exactly uh,
7: uh,
2: well fair enough <laughs> um, uh, there, I mean, there was a couple of other aspects of the performance I wanted to talk about um, yesterday Tom I thought Alfie Doughty again shone when he came on at, at half time which does I and mean, it, it it does perhaps raise a question as to why he's not starting. Um, you know, obviously, we, we know we're playing, I mean, the, 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 there's a lot of people asking why we're playing a left-back, Deji, who's not a left-back, basically, and uh, the likes of Alfie Doughty, you can get forward and back, making the performance he did in that second half does raise a few eyebrows, I think. Yeah, I thought
3: he was brilliant um, in that second half. It- It does frustrate me that we have become a team that are having to rely on a kid again because when he did come on and he was outstanding in some of his movement forwards but we shouldn't be relying on him to have to get down the byline and whip crosses in every time because we should have enough in the the middle of midfield the likes of people like Johnny Williams Albie Morgan obviously was was off at the time but was on in the first half people like Macaulay Bond you know again I know he's come from non-league but he's shown enough quality in the early parts of this season And so it felt a bit like a plan B that we're just chucking him on and saying, get down that byline. And I thought Greg and Laurie made a really good point on commentary saying, well, he needs people around him um, because for a couple of those times we were just expecting him to go off and do it on his own. But that's no discredit to him because he did, he stepped up and he did it and and he played very, very well. But for me, the frustrating aspect is that we're having to rely on him. I guess I'm not too concerned now because at this stage it's just about getting enough results and getting over the line. But longer term, whichever division we're in next season, we need to have a clearer game plan um, because throwing him on like that is just mm. not really good enough. Um, and in question to your left back point, again, it's, I don't know whether anybody asked Bo you about it yesterday, but that's a question I, I've wanted to know the answer to. And a, a couple of the games prior when Deji's played there, he's explained it, but I didn't quite understand the reasoning for putting um, Deji in yesterday. It seemed a strange one and as we say, we'll talk a little bit about Albi a bit later on, but Deji still was the man that pulled him down, irrespective of the fact that it was Albi that let the man go. So, yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a strange selection, I thought, yesterday when I saw the line-up ahead of time. Um, but, I mean, Boya usually is pretty good at explaining it, and, and more often than not, I would say he gets it right. Um, so he's allowed a mistake, if we're going to call it that, but it was... Um, it was a strange one, but yeah, Alfie himself, when he came on, I thought, did very, very
2: well. Yeah, and Lewis, we've got to talk about the missed chances as well, obviously. I mean, there was there was that good one from Alfie where he got to the byline and, and it just inches ahead of um, Darren Prattley with the diving header. We saw earlier on in the second half, Chucks and Ek brought the ball down nasty and a shot that, that, that was tipped over, but obviously the glaring miss from Macaulay Bond, you know, a, a minute after the disallowed goal for an Ike on, on half hour. Um, it was Aidan McGeady who had this weird five-minute spell where he looked really decent, and he whipped in across towards the near post, and Macat has to score. He has to score.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I was I was out of my seat, ready to cheer um, as soon as... And it's just, I, I don't really know how he didn't, didn't make the contact with it. It just felt like in that position as a striker playing at this level in a game of the magnitude for your football club, maybe not for Reading, but for us, you got to be putting those away you know and and that had got us back in the game before half-time, uh, and I'd, I'd have fancied just to go on and, and with a bit of confidence do something but I, I feel bad because I, I feel like the last couple of weeks i've been I've been slating um macker about his his finishing and i was I was happy to see him get a goal midweek I, re- I really was and I thought that might spark it like it did when he came in uh, to cover for lyle originally you know he got that sort of fortunate leads goal and then we saw the form of, of him really really pick up, and I, and I thought that this could be another opportunity for that to happen. And it's just not really happened for him um, since he's come back. Really, I mean, it was it was a great it was a good goal on on Wednesday, but uh, you know, apart from that, you, you're really looking at him, and he's taken on that sort of burden of, of stepping into Lars Taylor's shoes to get the goals because we haven't you know we haven't seen enough of Chucks. We haven't seen enough of, of uh, Hemet, We haven't seen enough of Josh Davison. You know, we, it, we are purely looking at at Macaulay Bond to step into those shoes, and it's a lot of pressure. I think I do, we, we do forget the level he was playing at last season, but we've seen him do it before. Maybe he's just having a bit of a, a bit of a blip in confidence. I, I'm not sure, but I think it, you can't just look at him all the time but he'll be incredibly disappointed that he didn't manage to, to stick that in the back of the net and Boya, rightly so was was pretty upset about it as well because it's, it's three yards isn't it you've got to be you've got to be scoring from that and hopefully there's a harsh lesson for Maka to learn and, and he'll come back uh, he'll come back stronger from
2: it Yeah hopefully he does that and does it quickly because we need uh, we need those to start hitting the back of the net starting with Birmingham on Wednesday evening right let's have a listen then to what Lee Boyer had to say after the game we caught up with him over Zoom And this is what he made of the
8: 1-0 home defeat against Reading. Disappointment. Um, Again, it's it's another game that we should have got something from. We haven't really done much wrong. Uh, They get a penalty early on. Um, And then after that, I thought we, we was the better side. I thought we created more clear-cut chances again and decisions have cost us. The officials have cost us the game today. It is, it's plain and simple. Um, Chuck Sanike, his goal is a goal. Um, and I said to the fourth official, like, you can't, the linesman ch- can't just guess you have to be a hundred percent right, like on, on these decisions. These, these are big moments, you know. There's there's careers on the line. At, at this stage of the season, my players give everything, and and we haven't got our rewards. Um, if their penalty was a penalty, then so was ours. Because Jake got dragged to the floor, and and it's a penalty. So you've got the offside. You've got the penalty it's big decisions, you know, and both times for whatever reason, I don't even know. I'd love to see what he puts in his report. Cause I know my report isn't going to be good for him. Um, that, I, I someone's got to have a look at, the, at his decisions today and, and something has to be done because that, that just wasn't up to scratch. All of them, all of them, the ref and the two linesmen was not, was not good enough today. And, and, you can say that's cost us, but like McCauley, has to score. Has to score. Chances. Can't keep missing chances like that. Three yards out. Connect with the ball properly and you score. Can't miss chances like that. Like it's, it, ain't, it ain't good. It ain't good enough. Um, and, and I said to the players, like, they're a good group and they keep pushing and pushing and fighting for everything right to the end. They don't deserve what, what's happened today. Um, so yeah, I'm very disappointed because we played well. I thought.
9: I guess it's, it's even tougher to take all the all these slight margins, like the the, the refereeing decisions and, and and the chances missed, when it leaves you still a, a point above the relegation zone with the two teams below you still to play uh, this afternoon. I mean, it, it's 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 really looking like it's going to go down to to the wire now.
8: Yeah, and and today's game was a game that that I I was hoping that we would pick up three points. Um, And I'm disappointed that we ain't. We've done enough to win the game. Um, We've done enough and for one reason or another. We've come away with nothing again. So, uh, we've got three games to go. Um, And we'll keep fighting to the end. So Wednesday becomes a, a massive game now against Birmingham. So um, yeah, we need to we need to turn up and and hopefully we might get a, a decision or two go our way. Because even on Tuesday, on Tuesday night against Brentford, that penalty was soft as well. So things, just decisions, ain't these big decisions ain't going with us. I, d- I don't know why, but they're not. Is that sort of how you have to manage it? And you-
9: and your squad now, you you just have to sort of draw a line underneath this one, and and turn your attention to to Birmingham because I guess there's not really any time to, to to spend thinking about this when when the games are coming so thick and far.
8: No, that's it. I'm done. I've done with this game. Uh, you've got to move on. <laughs> got no time really to prepare. It. Basically, it's just recovery for the players, um, the, the lads that uh, that haven't been involved. Then. They get some topping up training wise, but the rest of them just wrap them up and 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 get them ready for Wednesday. And, and me there tonight, I'll be going home and and watching stuff on Birmingham. So uh, yeah, it's quick turnarounds now.
9: And just just briefly on the penalty that Reading were given, I guess Deji just sort of got caught on the wrong side, and from up here I thought you might have put hands on on the player. But I don't know if you had a, a better view of it than than I did.
8: Um. Yeah, he just ran past Albie. Alby should have tracked him. Um, and, and then Deji tried to cover on the inside and tried to help Alby out. And and then because of the pace the fella was running, he just got ahead of um, Deji. And and Deji tried to lean into him. And but yeah, it, for me, yeah, it's probably it's a foul. Um, it's probably the right decision. But again, so was that. So if you give in that one, you, as is a foul as well. So they're both penalties. It's plain and simple as that. If the ref don't see it, then the linesman has to have seen it because he's, he's looking straight across. So yeah, there's was a penalty.
9: You uh, made a couple of changes. Obviously, Chuck's and Ek coming in for his first home league start, and he was he was a bit of a handful. And obviously, we've already talked about his his clear and obvious goal that was that was ruled out. Um, what, what did you make of him again over the, uh, the
8: the course of the game? Yeah, I thought he I thought he done well. I thought he caused them problems all afternoon. Um, physically, he, he done he done well for us. Yeah, he's got a bit of quality in. Once he holds it up and turns, and he rolls people, and and yeah, I thought I thought he done well for his first start. Um, obviously, I wanted to for him not to really play 90 minutes, but when you're chasing, I had no choice. It was a bit of a gamble to leave him on. Um, but again, I didn't have another striker to bring on. So, but I thought he'd done well. I thought he'd done, well. Thought he'd done it well for us.
9: So, of course, we'd turn our attention to Birmingham on Wednesday. Uh, I mean, Their home record isn't great at the moment. I think they've conceded three on each of their last five home games, but obviously previous form never counts for anything. Uh, when we go i mean it 's going to be a big game, um, especially when you consider the, the two that come after it as well so it, it's a case of just gearing up your team and uh, I guess hoping for a, a similar performance from today just a bit more clinical maybe
8: yeah, I think every single game that we've 've played um, you think the last three we 've lost but we 've played well in all of them. Um, against Millwall, we created better chances. Against Brentford, I thought we we done well defensively. Just players just run out of steam. And and then today, I thought we was the better side. We created the better chances again. And like you said, we've got to be more, more clinical. And that's what's that's what's hurting us at the moment. We we just can't seem to put the ball in the back of the net. Hi
5: Lee. Uh, tough,
8: uh, tough discussion after
5: after that game, uh, and, and to try and pick yourself up, I guess. But I mean, trying to look at some positives. You must have been pleased with the reaction, early goal to concede, and then from that point, we uh, we really took it to to Reading, but um, just couldn't get that goal.
8: Yeah, um, obviously, don't want to give a team a goal start, um, but the way we started. And... The amount of balls we put into their box in in good areas and great deliveries. I thought I still felt comfortable. I thought that like we, once we score, we go on and win. it I honestly believe that we just couldn't get that initial one, you know, that first one, the, the most important one, because then again, all the players' their confidence would have gone through the roof. I mean, we'd have definitely gone on and the game. We didn't, and uh, so that's that's disappointing. We've
5: uh, obviously we're commentating on the game and, and the stream and we're getting feedback from fans about uh, how it was a definite goal, it was a definite penalty, uh, and so uh, so the fans are feeling it too. And a few few have said they'll chip in for your fine if you actually end up saying what you what you what you think of them. But uh, I guess that won't help. Can you is it a case of turning the and the players obviously angry as well? You could tell as well. Is it a case of trying to turn that anger into a positive for, for Wednesday?
8: I don't think we need to do that. As I just said to them there. I said, like, there's not a group that I'd swap them for. If you think every single game that we've played since we've come back, we've been very good, I think. Um, and they're fighting for everything. So, I don't need to tell them nothing. They know the situation. They know what's at stake. And, uh, you yeah, know, come Wednesday, we'll be ready to go again. And, um, yeah. Um, we, just to, we just need to take them chances. We have to take them chances because if you don't score goals, you don't win games. So um, that 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 will be the the one thing that I hope changes on Wednesday that we do start taking new chances. Well, you know the club as,
5: as well as any, so you know we don't do it the easy way. So it was always going to be it was always going to be tough, and things were going to be thrown against us to make it tougher. So uh, good luck for Wednesday, and I uh, we know we
8: give it your all thanks a lot.
5: Hey Lee, um,
9: firstly I just wanted to ask you about Albie Morgan. He played for the first half and then was taken off at the break. Was that always the plan or was that due to the game because
8: of how you saw it was going? It wasn't part of the plan, um, but Albie um, let the man run past him that he should have tracked uh, that led to the penalty. Um, so yeah, he, he made some nice passes but he wasn't doing the things that I've been asking him to do. So in possession. Um so yeah, that's that's the reason why Al, Al Albie came off. And I thought Johnny came on and I thought he done well and, and so did Alfie. Alfie Duckett E done well as well. So but Albie, yeah, he didn't track the man for the the penalty. That's, that's the
9: and lastly, you might uh, might not have the answer for this as it seems to be the big question, but how how does this team start scoring again? Where do you think the goals are going to be coming from?
8: Well, could come from anywhere. Um, the strikers are the ones that are getting a lot of the chances at the moment and they're not taking them. So we look dangerous on set pieces as well, but in open play, I think our wide men and especially are putting great balls into the box, um, and we're, we're, we've got we're having good chances from three, four, five, six yards out, and, and not scoring. So, just hoping that that someone steps up and and starts start scoring the goals
5: $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
5: Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bowers there. pierces there. Bower down.
1: And it's Jordan. Yeah, oh, it's Jordan. Oh, he's gone. Oh, Patrick Barr. You absolute German beauty. Oh, Dreamlad. Jordan has scored. With seconds remaining! We've done it all! Get in! Come on! What a time yes. to be here! Oh. here at Wembley. oh my word! Oh my word!
5: Charlton Live. Right, welcome back
2: to Charlton Live. We just heard there from the Addicts boss Lee Bowyer after yesterday's 1-0 home defeat against Reddin, um oh you could hear the frustration in his voice about the refereeing decisions tell obviously and about um the fact we didn't take our chances a situation we find ourselves in now um but I thought maybe we should concentrate on what he had to say about Albie Morgan um you know not the first time he said it about him he didn't track back but Albie got hooked at half time um you know he, he made that mistake last week didn't he He didn't track back I think it was Jed Wallace the Millwall player who got him behind and 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 uh Dylan have to make a save um and then he's made it this week I and mean, this was in the third minute and then he got hooked at half time do you, do you think that's the right decision tell because a lot of people are saying well even if he is made, even if he has made that mistake that was nearly 45 minutes ago and we still need him as a creative influence going forward because he's the man more likely than anyone to play a killer pass yeah it's a, it's a tough
5: one to to call isn't it i i, I... I'd like to say that um, I sort of half agree and half don't because uh, I, th- I think he clearly he's, he clearly wants to teach him and he clearly is is, is teaching him uh, I guess in in the hard way right if you're not doing what you're told I'm taking you off personally I would like to say right you're not doing what you're told you've got 15 minutes to, you know, in the second half to make you know make a difference uh, make me uh, make me pleased that I picture make me you know. Shove the words back down my throat and go and do what uh, what, what you, we know you can. Because you're right. In the first half, he was one of our most creative players. Some of those crossfield balls that were finding Matthews, for example, were, were exquisite. Um, uh, but he, uh, you know, he just focused on what he did wrong, which which I get. And I, tough love, maybe, but in, in the position we're in. I'd like, to have seen him, I'd like to have seen maybe him and Alfie uh, together down that left hand side, and uh, and see what they could have done. And then Johnny Williams comes on a bit later on in the in the second half um, for more of an impact, perhaps. And if you're going to hook anybody for not tracking back, I mean, Aidan McGeady would stand out a mile, wouldn't he? Because uh, you're right, he had, a, he had a sort of ten or fifteen minute spell. And like I like Aidan McGee, I think he's a good player, but. I don't think he's ever tracked back in his life, and if he has, it's only because he's done it by mistake. He hasn't; he's <laughs> done it deliberately. So, um, I, I just—that's uh, oh, harsh. I'm, I'm being being um, being unfair, but you know what I mean. I think if you're going to hook some people just because they don't track back, then then Aiden McGeady would be first on the list. I would have thought. Mm-hmm. So, I think he's he's, he's singling out uh, Alby to teach him because maybe it's because he knows, like we all do, there's such a good player in there. But he's um, he's got to learn the whole game rather than just a piece of it. But you know, I don't know. I think. Um, Maybe uh, I'd like to see him maybe swallow his pride a little bit, uh, Lee Bowyer, and, and just let him let him do what he's good at, uh, and tell the other people to cover for him because uh, we need to win games. Yeah.
2: That's, that's what I was going to say, Tom. I know, I know you have strong views on this. Um, Lee Bowyer himself went through this. He, he mentioned it years ago, in, in, well, about a year ago, I'd say in one of his press conferences about how you know he he was shocked that he was he was uh, you know felt he was playing well, but I think it was George Graham. I think he said he took him off. Yeah. And, uh, and didn't play him because he wasn't tracking back. Um, and so obviously this is a way that he thinks that Albi will learn, but are we in a position to be going around teaching our, you know, our, our more creative players life lessons when we need the points on the board and we need them now?
3: For me, no, um, absolutely not. And I know me and Nath completely disagree on this point. Um, I'll start by saying I, I get exactly what he's trying to do, but I think he is... Holding Albie up to very high standards that, as you say, Boya had at the time when George Graham dropped him or pulled him out the side. But for me, as Tell just said, and I've said it before on shows, Albie's quality going forward is so good. I mean, some of the passes he was finding yesterday, I, the only other Champ player I've ever really seen do it was John Joe when he first came in. And he would just pick balls out 40, 50 yards to someone's feet three or four times a, day, a game. And there was one of the crossfield balls to Matthews in that first half, which was just unreal from a player like that. And I just think we've got enough defensive cover in Cullen, Prattley, Field, um, Jake, that as exactly as Terry says, you put people there and you just let him, give him that free roll and let him do it. I understand that that's not what Bowyer wants to do. Bowyer wants to turn him into a complete footballer. And believe me, if he gets it right, then then Morgan is going to be one hell of a player because he's going to have all those aspects. But... For me, at the moment, you you put a couple of shuttlers in behind him, and you put the likes of him and Johnny and Aiden up there, and you just say go and have fun, um, and and do all the, the good stuff going forward. Because as we've said, defensively, you know we've been okay defensively since coming back. We kept a, what three clean sheets in a row, um, and it is going forward that's the problem. And Albie's able to unlock doors in that final third. And like I say, I get why Bo is doing it. I, I get the whole point, um, but for me. It, I I just don't like that tactic, I think is is kind of my overall point. I would rather just, you know, someone young like that, don't hold him back, just let him go and do what he does well.
2: Right, let's have a look at the championship table, Lewis, then. So we're on 46 points in 21st hole uh, inside the relegation zone in 22nd with 45 points. Luton are on 44 um, and Barnsley are, are rock bottom at the moment with 43. Now, goal difference for those teams below us is minus 21 for Barnsley, minus 30 for Luton, minus 18 for Hull. We're on minus 11. So if we end up on the same points as another team, then that will obviously play in our favour at the moment. Above us, we've got Huddersfield and Middlesbrough both on 47 points, both with worse goal difference than us slightly. Birmingham are on 49 points as are Stoke, uh, again, with uh, worse goal difference than us, although Stoke actually have got one one goal better than us. So it's tight. Goal differences in our favour still, as it was earlier on uh, in the season. Uh, what what are you thinking Lewis I'm I'm looking at some of the teams below us so Barnsley then then their final three fixtures are Leeds away Nottingham Forest at home and Brentford away so they've got three really tough fixtures to play Hull uh, uh, away at Wigan uh, home to Luton and they're playing Cardiff so they're playing the teams around them and then a a team that's chasing the, the playoffs obviously Luton will be uh, home to QPR, playing Hull as we mentioned, then playing Blackburn. So two two teams probably haven't really got anything to play for there. I don't know if Blackburn are still with an outside chance. No, they've got no chance of getting playoffs. So two teams not really anything to play for. Huddersfield, um their their fixture list is, you know. It, if it's going to load here we go they're playing Sheffield Wednesday nothing to play for West Brom obviously playing for promotion Millwall nothing to play for Uh, and then you've got Middlesbrough who are playing Reading away Cardiff at home and Sheffield Wednesday away three teams uh well two teams who have got nothing to play for and the Cardiff team will be pushing for the playoffs. so a mixed bag a a couple of those teams have got really tough fixtures Barnsley I think stand out there it's hard to call I'm looking at every single sort of uh, permutation now of these fixtures and I I just can't call it at this moment in time I I was willing to before kick-off yesterday I would I would have thought if we lost I'm writing us off results sort of went our way a little bit obviously Stoke winning today didn't help but I it's so tight isn't it I really don't know what to say
4: no it's um, it's incredibly tight I mean we always knew it was gonna be tough when we came back but I'd say one thing that, that has played in our favour, which has not just happened really through just through this period of the restart, but through the season as a whole, a lot of the teams down there, you know, the Barn, Barnsley, Luton, and to name just a few it since coming back, have been on the end of some serious thrashings, haven't they? So have Stoke, Hull, Huddersfield. We're we're always, and it's been out there, apart from that blip at Huddersfield earlier on in the season, we're always sort of narrowly defeated when we are. You know, it's sort of the 1-0s, the 2-1s. It's never, we never get turned over, if you like, and, and the other teams are. So we gave Brentford a real go on Wednesday. Brentford, one of the best sides, in the divi- arguably the best side in the division, in my opinion, hadn't conceded a goal for X amount of time we score against them in the, in the opening eight minutes. You know, I think that we've got, we have got quality. I think the, the football we play is better than the teams around us. The, the main concern for me is where the goals are going to come from. I think in terms of fixtures, Luton have got a... They concern me a bit because they've they've got a, a decent run there. Jones has gone back in and, and they look a little bit revitalised apart from that 5-0 defeat to Reading. Barnsley have got a, a bit of a tough ask as well down there, haven't they? With those fixtures and where they are now, I think Barnsley will have a real uphill struggle. Um, and, I mean, with us, the the... The Birmingham game is huge because I I don't think Birmingham are out of it whatsoever. I think I think Birmingham, if anything, are more vulnerable than a lot of the teams below them, Middlesbrough and other because they're four. I mean, they don't want a game since they come back, have they? So I think that that they could get dragged into it very easily. Um, and obviously, the, what happens with Wigan, and this, as sad as it is, I think that could be it's going to go in our favour. You don't want to see football clubs in those positions, but it is going to go in our favour. So. I I do think that we have enough. My my concern is we we've got to get the points against against Birmingham and Wigan because they're the teams around us. You know they're going to be the the real results that matter. Leeds could be champions by the last day of the season and they may not have a huge amount to play for. They may be pushing to get that first place on the final day. We can't we can't rely on that. So it's going to be really tough. Um, the Birmingham game for me is huge midweek. We've got to get something out of that and go into Wigan with a positive attitude and. You never know. Mathematically, that could that could get us up before we go and face leads. But we just got to keep, you know, keep working hard, keep heads down, and, and it's tough, isn't it? You, you want to be in the ground cheering the boys on, but you can't. So it's um, it's going to be a real, real, you know, a, a twist and turn end of the season. And it's I don't think that it's decided whatsoever yet who's going down. Really, apart from Barnsley, I think are will probably be only outsiders, in my opinion. Of of staying up. I think everybody else has a real chance of of staying in this division.
2: Mm, Yeah, Preston and Derby still to come for Birmingham after they play us as well, so maybe they they, they could still get dragged back into it uh, as well. Right, let's have a look at some of the messages that came in Uh, over the course of the afternoon. Gary says that the problem is and has been for a while now that we just cannot seem to score goals. Okay, we have a legitimate goal ruled out yesterday and also a Stonewall penalty denied, but that would have given us three points. But for bad refereeing decisions, we just need that rub of the green to go our way for a change. Carl says we need to be convincing going forward. Too many times we looked half assed and indecisive, need players to carry the ball and go at teams. As you say, there are no more slip-ups. Three games, two wins needed wins so to we need to attack and to score goals dom says as rubbish as we've been We've been gifted a big lifeline by everyone else being equally rubbish recently. Poor refereeing decisions, but we didn't take our chances. Was worried that Bon injured himself when kicking the boards in frustration after his one. The ownership saga doesn't help either. Uh, With Albi, his poor marking left Deji with an impossible situation. Bo's honesty about it is tough, but maybe for his own good, as it's part of the game he has to work at to not be vulnerable uh, at a pro level. Uh, Superb player though, and of course, hopefully he'll bounce back. Cap says uh people blaming boya bon taylor soli and but the truth is under du chatelet uh we were under invest- invested in the squad uh failed to tie up the lights of taylor and arebo chelsea reneged on gallagher without any indication so we could prepare nimmer and Southall failed to invest in the club and lied about it as well bon and Anike were players bought for future development not a relegation fight nobody is beyond criticism but this must be done constructively and by paying attention to the facts. That's uh, from Cap. Uh, Tom says, uh, there were two problems with yesterday, the ref's uh, obvious errors and Boyer's poor lineup and subs. Why is Deji starting left back when we have two actual left backs on the bench and also Boyer is scapegoating Morgan again whilst playing him out of position. Morgan's best position is behind the striker where he can play through balls. If Bo doesn't want to play him there, then he should play an actual winger instead. Also, what does Davison have to do to get a game, Hemed and Anike off a little out front Josh deserves the chance is that something you'd like to see brought in Terry do you think Davison could do a job between now and the end of the season
5: I think it's a tough thing to do I, I think he's, he's certainly a talent and, uh, and he's got that bustling approach that uh, that, worries, that can worry some defenders I think you'd have to pick and choose when you play him for example Morrison uh, you know our old player Michael Morrison yesterday I thought was their best player by a mile uh, I don't think Davison would have, uh, would have got any joy out of Michael Morrison yesterday at all mm so I think it would have been a tough ask to put him in in the game yesterday I don't know what the Birmingham uh, centre-halves are like and if they are a bit suspect then uh, I'd, I'd give him a go straight away because uh, he does worry defenders he, he just makes defenders make mistakes by just his presence mm. he's uh, got a little bit of pace he knows where the goal is uh, and uh, he makes decent runs, but he's, he's a young kid. To so chuck him in at, uh, at this level, if those defenders are like um, big burly center arse they're just going to kick you up in the air every moment's notice. I think it's a tough thing for it to expect a kid to leave
2: the line like that. Yeah, I was watching a bit of Birmingham against Stoke earlier on this afternoon. It doesn't look like their defence need any invitation to make a, make a mistake. Uh, right, Leon says the defence was solid again for most of the game yesterday. We had the better of the game, but just couldn't find the finishing touch. We can't dwell on the loss and bad decisions. Lucky other results went our way. We need a result up next to relieve the pressure that is no doubt building. Ted says, remain infuriated by the officials' abysmal display yesterday, feeling robbed otherwise. Defense remains solid. Getting it together, though, in the final third remains our Achilles heel. Bond's ball retention is atrocious, so when he gets the ball, I would prefer him... Just to shoot. Paul says decisions yesterday papered over the cracks. No striker of championship quality. Bond could potentially improve and be that man, but he needs to be more clinical. Think we might as well give Davison a go as the current crop are doing everything but score. But let's be honest, as frustration as yesterday was, if someone would have said 43 games ago it would still be in our hands, we would have taken that. This team is not as good as the squad last year. I do feel we will get relegated though due to lack of goals, but we have to fight on. Um, Tom says, same old, same old, not enough shots on goal, overplaying the ball in the final third and poor crossing accuracy. Mina says, would Beckham have been subbed for not tracking back? Morgan can spray attacking passes like Beckham. So odd that he cannot be used in this role with some greater freedom. Yeah, well, we've uh, we've certainly discussed that now. Dan uh, said we should have got at least a point yesterday. The referee's mates performed poorly next game. We have to win. It's still in our Hands. Right. Well, a couple of emails came in as well, which I'll just uh, read out before we go to the uh, break. Andrew says, uh, "Dear Louis, I thought uh, I know you'll have a lot to talk about on tonight's show, but please can you just spend a couple of minutes talking about the women's team uh, and their plight? Uh, yeah, the women's team is still after um, some help with the funding. Uh, there's a fifty grand sort of funding gap between now uh, and next season. Obviously, with the, with the fans not being able to come in. So if you go into the um, into the Uh, the the women's team website. You'll see how you can help donate. You can sponsor a player. You can sponsor a game. All sorts of ways. You can set up a a standing order just to help the women's team go because with that 50k shortfall, there's every chance uh, they won't be able to uh, have a team Uh, next season so they need your support if you can uh, do that right Steve uh, says hi chaps uh, a frustrating day all round with the defeat and the latest debacle in the ownership situation yeah we'll talk about that in a sec we were totally screwed by the officiating but we can't blame just that we created more than enough to win that game in the first two thirds of the pitch we're playing well but it's not happening in front of goal Bows must be so frustrated as he can't help the team finish off the moves we are creating in abundance. The forwards need to step up and finish the teams off, or we are down. The defence was good yesterday, apart from Deji, who needs to be stepped down for Alfie, and Cullen was superb, as ever. Morgan showed uh, flashes going forward, but Bose is right about his defensive work. McGeady also had his best game in a Cholton shirt. It's now a season-defining game against Birmingham. Win, and we still have a chance, lose, and I think it's all over. I'm not sure... I can bring myself to watch it and suffer through it again. What do you reckon, Tom? Because I, I went into yesterday thinking if we lose, that's it, we're done. But, I mean, we lost and we're not even in the relegation zone yet. So is, if we lose on Wednesday, I mean, it will feel like we're done, but we probably won't be just yet because this is the championship and anything can happen.
3: Yeah, I don't think we can call it either way. I, I've got a, a sneaky feeling that if we win, that might be enough. And I, the points doesn't sound like it should be, but with everyone losing this weekend, and I'm not going to... Probably after we win and everybody else wins, then I won't be saying that. But, yeah, it's it's so difficult to call. Um, I would have had a, obviously had a lot more confidence had our performance yesterday been a little bit better um, and had we got points. But... I think I said it to you and Nate earlier on WhatsApp that if we can't beat a Birmingham side at the moment who are on the run there on then I'm not sure we deserve to stay up to be honest um, and I know our record against the top six has been very good and there's been some, some very very good performances this season but those are the sort of games you look at and you need to be putting those away because they're the points that you, are going to keep you up and said it after Brentford that that's not the game that's going to define our season, but games against people like Birmingham and Wigan. Now I know Wigan are in good form, but teams like that, you have to be winning if you want to stay up. So yeah, I don't think I don't think you can call it either way. Um, and as I said, I think on Thursday's show it's just not going to be a lot of fun these next two weeks trying to support Charlton. But um, yeah, I'll be glad I'll be glad when it is done, and hopefully we'll still be in the championship.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Um, Liam uh, or Mad Dog Mendonca says such a disappointing result yesterday obviously decisions didn't go our way but we must be the easiest team in the league to defend a lead against we can't break teams down that sit off us yeah Reading sat back so much yesterday as well inviting the pressure on I just wanted to comment on Albie Morgan he's a really talented young player but I think too many fans on social media have an inflated opinion of him I certainly don't want to criticise Albie but I don't really understand the shock that some fans felt when he gets subbed off our biggest threat going forward is Alpha Doughty he needs to start at Birmingham he is the only person in our squad who is has enough pace to put teams on the back foot and get us up the pitch Sam Days says Hi guys and unfortunately another frustrating day for us Charlton fans I believe Bayer has made a mistake playing 4-4-2 it isn't working at all in the six games we've only scored one goal from open play that was a header unfortunately that is not good enough at any level luckily enough results went our way. three games left with a minimum of two wins needed to have even a chance of staying up it's still in our hands we've got three cup finals now to play Uh, hopefully players can find confidence and be clinical and in all the chances we're creating to keep us in the championship I trust that Boya will be able to keep us up. Coming your heads, that's from Sam. Uh, Phil sent a message, hi guys, hugely disappointing result yesterday, but with our strike force, it's predictable, unfortunately. Let's be honest, we're a championship club playing with a League One team. The thought of playing League One football next season is unbearable. However, on the plus side, if the worst happens, Du Chatelet, Elliott, Southall and whoever else owns the club will get less than they thought uh, when eventually the club does get a decent owner. And finally, uh, Tom comes in says as soon as Reading had the penalty uh, from the first few minutes of the game I thought that we were not going to get the three points and also offside what offside we must win the game on Wednesday we go again and that is from Tom right cheers for your message Tom let's uh, have a quick break here on Charlton Life when we come back uh, we will discuss uh, some of the more frustrating elements of the club which is of course the absolute shambles that is pretending to be our ownership at the moment we'll be back in 30 seconds (laughs)
1: beside
7: you and Gallagher keeping in for Charlton he's under a bit of pressure, flicks it on towards Pierce. little flick forward towards Williams, Williams he's side. Williams in the pound area. collects Williams, skies past Allen, no Williams oh. by can Gallagher get on a retrieving ball? He can, but further wide Gallagher, ball into Colin. Colin. he's got Bradley behind him, Colin into the pounds area. Colin. still Ball across, goal and he It,
2: two stoke one right, welcome back to Charlton live uh the ownership then let's get this over and done with um what a load of rubbish basically <laughs> there's no nice way of putting it. It's frustrating, it's embarrassing, it's amateur the way that whoever's trying to run the club is trying to run the club it's confusing. I think that's where one way of putting it is concerning certainly because we have no idea what's going to happen next but just to sort of sum up what what's happened this week so on was it friday afternoon um all of a sudden anyone who follows e- esi on a uh, company's house you can ask to have an, an email sent to you whenever there's a change and I, I set that up for myself so i got an email through on friday afternoon uh saying that um the registered address for esi had changed from the valley to uh sort of like a, a an office block up in manchester um and and you know there is it's it's solicitors and people are saying like also it's hard to tell the exact uh significance of that at first but someone said to me oh, it's not unusual for people to change uh their their registered address to their solicitors so i was like okay and then people pointed out that there were some other names that we all recognize there like uh uh matt southall's wife and i think southall had a had some sort of uh name registered to that to that building as well so that started the alarm bells ringing thought, well in fairness there are quite a few hundred people registered to this address so maybe it's just a coincidence but then chris farnell came out and said that the change was completely unauthorized and uh he was going to start an investigation uh into it um okay so you're thinking right well this is embarrassing you know uh, trying to organise a, uh, a, a large quantity of drinking in a brewery coming up now because surely if you're the owners of ESI you would have gone through and changed this on company's House whether the EFL have agreed to that or not clearly that hasn't happened which raises a lot of questions about the statements that were put on the website about three four weeks ago saying that Paul Elliott was now the owner of ESI. Uh, Lewis um and then of course we go on to what happened yesterday when <laughs> bang on full-time perfect timing from uh well Farnell is now accusing Matt Southall I believe of of, of doing this uh bang on full time uh Farnell and the three Romanians were removed from ESI as directors uh, and then a couple of hours later the massacre was completed when Tanun Namir was uh removed as the director again Chris Farnell uh saying that he's he it he was unauthorized um whoever did this <laughs> and uh yeah saying that it was mr southall uh, this is another stunt by mr southall that we are having to deal with um where, where to start with this mess lewis what 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 what, what concerns me again as we're getting caught up in this stupid game playing with now sky reporting that mr southall is going to try and make some sort of grab for the club again and then sell it on uh, along with jonathan, uh, jonathan heller um is that clearly the current ownership of the club is nowhere near as clear as they were trying to make it out uh, a few weeks ago. So what the hell's going on, basically?
4: I wish I knew, mate. I don't think... The, it, words to describe this, I don't think even Nath would say on the radio <laughs> live. It's just... It's a joke, isn't it? It's, it's at such a time as well when, on the pitch, we need stability and... and it can't be easy being those players you know you're, most of them there have extended deals on to play until the end of this campaign and have no idea where their future lies and they're probably looking at the boardroom upstairs and, and they're just thinking what the hell is going on I mean Southall in general how his name's cropped up again and and how this has come around I'll never know the fact that it's linked to addresses is linked with his wife and and have, well, one, how Savile can have the cheek, if if true, if Saval can have the cheek to think that he, he has the right to come back and, and retake control of the club after selling loyal staff down the river and, and range Rovergate and, and all this stuff. You know, it's just ridiculous. The whole thing's a complete farce. And where are the EFL in all of this? Like, the, the governing body of our footballing division, where are they? They are nowhere. They, they let these things go on. There's been no statement from them about uh, the ESI Paul Elliott ownership whatsoever. That was announced, as you say, weeks ago. We've had nothing on that. Now now all of this yesterday, there's there's nothing. There's no protection from the the establishment who are supposed to be looking after clubs like us in in such turbulent times. You you look at what's going on at Wigan and there's real concern there and real fear that that could be us and Charlton fans everywhere are going to be. I'm going to be worried, and, and I'm worried all the time. I'm fed up of of my club being this laughing stock off the pitch, and I'm fed up of when people when I see people and they ask, "Oh, how a Charlton get on, i what's going on with the ownership? What's it, it's ridiculous. Like it, it's getting to a point now where it's just incredibly, incredibly sad, and I have so many concerns for the future of our football club that you don't even bear thinking about at the moment because we're we're so focused on what's happening with our fight to stay in the division. Mm. Once the season's over. Oh, um, you know, where are we going to be next season? Are we going to what division are we going to be in? What are we going to have a points deduction? Are we going to have owners? Are we going to have any players? Is Lee you going to be the manager? There's, there's no stability, and it's it, it's just it's unfair for supporters. It's unfair for the staff at the club. It's unfair for Bowyer and the players. Um, and it's I'm fed up with our club being in the public eye so much and having these stupid public playground fallouts that just make us look ridiculous and and, you know our club is so special it's not a laughing stock and from the outside looking in if you're not a Charlton fan you're neutral and you're seeing this going on you're you're naturally you're there taking the mick because it's embarrassing Mm. and there's no words honestly mate there really isn't it's just it makes me so angry I barely even read the stuff anymore
2: Mm, yeah I mean we've spoken about it on the show over the last few weeks about how you know the people who are currently apparently in the hot seat but well not according to Companies House where you have to update when you've when you've taken over a club but I mean if you look at the the statement that was put on on the the, the club official website on the 10th of June it says uh, E Street Investments the company that owns Charlton Athletic has been taken over by a consortium led by a businessman uh paul elliott you know who they're saying it's been done on there the club has been in touch with the efl and will now meet with the league to begin the process of finalizing the change of control including matters relating to the owners and directors test but if you've if you've taken over esi which is what they seem to be claiming on this club website back in back in early june then, then that ought to be updated on 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 the company's house website, and it, and, and it hasn't been. Um, you know, the, these people were there yesterday; they were photographed there yesterday by the press because that's what happens when you go to a football ground. If you're in a football ground, someone's going to take your photo, and you can't stop them doing it. Um, they the, the people's trust in, in in Chris Farnell, Paul Elliott, Mohammed El Kashashi, is will will, will not exist. I mean, it shouldn't exist anyway. I don't think, but uh, the, the, they'll they'll see this sort of shenanigans and seeing that they've been told that if the ESI has been overtaken when they haven't and it, it, people will quite rightly be questioning the motives of these three people. Terry. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't come to me uh,
5: yeah. <laughs> uh, it's because it's just nonsense as well. It? It, it, it you can't grasp it I mean on the one side you're thinking well this whole company's house thing and this if if the first ESI legitimately took over the club and their name was on company's house. That's it. And, uh, but there are some people saying that actually they didn't legitimately take it over because they weren't approved, they didn't do the process. So therefore, by changing, them changing the details on company's house that they owned it was illegal, which means surely there's uh, they can be uh, brought to court or some sort of um, writ can be sued, uh, served. Or um, And then you've got ESI 2, who, if... ESI-1 had taken over the club legitimately, then uh, they've sold the stake to ESI-2. Now, if that hasn't happened, then again, them changing the details of the company's house is also an illegal act, because if they had no
2: justification or verification to do it, then they've done that illegally, haven't they? Well, they and haven't done it. The That's way. the thing, though. Well, yeah, but they they still
5: put themselves down as, uh, as, as uh, owners, didn't they? they? They've they've named themselves as owners.
2: They've done that um, on the club website, but not on company's house. Website, yeah. yeah. So
5: if they're not, then that's 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 fraud, isn't it?
2: I um, Oh, I'm, then I'm then not sure. So I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure it's fraud. Um, I. I, I, I know, it's confusing. Just, but, certainly, yeah. But
5: the latest information is that uh, there now is that final, um, Florica and the two Michals, um have been removed from company's house. So
2: is that legal? Well, they uh, they were there they were there in in the first place. Now, I I, I mean, the people are saying that that falsely falsely filing is is illegal, apparently, or something. But I mean, uh, yeah. So, but the fact that someone some things, still still has access to the codes suggests that they still legally own, as far as company house are concerned, the club. So something somewhere has some. Uh, for
5: all this to be true, somebody somewhere has done something that isn't legal. By the sounds of it, somebody. So surely, you know, we there must be able to be legal ramifications on this whole mess. But I mean, who knows? Of course, to be honest, it's getting to the point, and I I sort of agree, with Lewis, where you you're almost too scared, or you know, too worried about um, reading what's coming next. It's it's just. I mean, we started off. You know, everybody was. You know, we got promoted last season, and there was the whole Netflix thing with Sunderland, and you're thinking, oh, you know, what could uh, what could our Netflix story would have been like? And and, and at the beginning, it was probably you know quite a decent drama about a club against adversity and, and all of what was going on in the background, still getting promotion to the championship under under extreme circumstances. And, and then it goes from being a drama to uh, possibly uh, more of a, a whodunit because uh, there's so many different things going on behind the scenes that uh, that it's like a, a really complicated Agatha Christie plot. Uh, and then it descends into a farce, and 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 then more like a road trip comedy. And now I think we're just like the worst B-movie you've ever seen, where you just don't believe anything what's going on. The characters are all rubbish and, and you wouldn't put them in a school play, let alone a, let alone a proper film. Uh, and, and the plot just makes no sense whatsoever because nobody seems to know what they're doing. It's just bizarre.
2: Yeah, and Tom, the confusion over the ownership and who's been paying the wages over the last what month or, or two and who will play them this month will, will, will raise concerns because if there is this power battle or this power grab, this land grab to to become the person who owns the club then there's a possibility that whoever has paid the wages recently will turn around and say well no if 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 you're going trying to say i don't own the club i'm not going to pay the wages so we could be back in another trouble. i mean administration again is a possibility you know we we're talking about how it could happen to wigan it could happen to us i think i think that's the situation we're in and uh you don't really know <laughs> you don't really know what's going to happen next
3: i think yeah Basically, you've just summed it up there. I mean, if when I was growing up and Charlton were in the Premier League, if somebody asked me who owned Charlton and I didn't know the answer, that's because I didn't really care. Then through Roland, I obviously knew who ran the club because for negative reasons. But if you'd have just come to me then and said who owns the club, I haven't got the slightest clue who owns the club at the moment. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. Like tell said, I don't know what's legal, what's illegal. The whole thing is such a mess. And all the while, and this is the thing that I just continually come back to, the club is just being passed around like, like a plaything. And in the meantime, as I think Lewis said, the players are trying to go out there and perform for us. And I'm sure they don't care who the owners are, but they care whether they get their wages at the end of the season. And obviously, footballers are paid pretty well compared to your, your average person on the street but even at championship level for us we're not paying big money compared to some other clubs and the players are going to be frustrated Boya is obviously being linked now to lots of clubs and you know it's sacking season at the, and that time of the season it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he just went you know what I can't be bothered with this anymore because I've been a fan however many years and I'm getting to that stage now where I, I just can't be asked to And obviously we have to do it for this podcast and I try and be as educated and as clued up on it as I can because if I'm coming on here, the listeners deserve that at least I've put a level of research in. But I can't keep up anymore. I genuinely can't keep up and I'm just so sick of it. And all of it, I just want them all gone. And we we said it about a month ago, I think. We said when uh, Tanoon and What's It first fell out and we said maybe we're going to end up back with Roland again, at least we knew where we stood. He was a terrible owner and he hated us, but at least we knew where we stood. At the moment, there's just a load of charlatans just passing us around that like it's some sort of toy just for their own egos. And I'm just so sick of it because, as you say, administration is a real possibility. And the fact that we might not have a club anymore, it still appears to be a real possibility. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just fed up of it, really. Um, I didn't want to have to talk about it, but I understand that we have to but I just I don't know where we go from here I
2: I just don't yeah the whole thing the whole thing absolutely stinks and absolutely everyone involved with it at the moment I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw him not not a single person who who seems to have a claim or a stake in owning the club uh, you can't say anything good about a single one of them at all right so I mean let's draw a line under that for now let's, let's concentrate on something that might put a smile on your face for five minutes um as, as I mentioned at the top of the show um Laurie Wilson former Charlton uh was he uh well he played he played sort of right back and he played in right midfield as well didn't he actually but um uh he was on uh he he, he was uh the, the sort of bloke and I, he did put a smile on my face seeing him back at the valley brief I just said loads obviously briefly to him because I never really knew him but I said it was nice to see him back uh, at the Valley yesterday. And obviously he was on the uh, co with Greg and Terry on Valley pass yesterday. Uh, and had some, I was listening back to the recording earlier, some good chats with him. Uh, so I thought I'd play you a little, a little snippet because it did put a smile on my face. Now, as you and many of you will remember with Laurie Wilson, he, he had the song that I believe was first sung after he scored his brace against Brighton on, uh, on boxing day uh, in a three-two win, which I think was our first win in quite a while. And we've been struggling. We needed, a, we needed the points and uh, yeah, Laurie Wilson scored next in brace. Um, During his time at the club, I think it it took him a while for uh, some of the fans to sort of get on his side. And to that extent, when he did score this brace, he had a song uh, sung about him, which I can't sing uh, word for word because it had one slight expletive in it. But it it implied that he used to be not the best player and then turned into a good player. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, Laurie Wilson, you'll remember the song, I'm sure. So, Laurie Wilson, uh, he was asked about that song uh, by Greg and Terry pre-game yesterday. Uh, this is what Laurie had to say. I think you'll enjoy
6: this little clip. So, I mean, for me, throughout my career, I've, I've always known that, you know, I've always been a hard-working player. You know, I, I sort of, I do my do my best in every any position put in. You know, I'll always go out there and give 100%. So, I always know that, any club that i've gone to that it does take time for people to grow on the way that i was playing and the way that i do play because you know i'm not gonna have you know 30 40 games at you know 9 out of 10 every every sort of game but they will understand that the games that i am playing you know at five out of ten that six out of ten that i'm giving my best you know i'm not i'm not having a bad game because you know the things that are going on um so for me, when I, I actually got in the car and I remember it so vividly, and my wife was next to me um, that had been at the game as well, and uh, I sort of, we, we brought it up in the car and I sort of said, oh, how do I take this? Mm. I was like, you know, is it is it kind of, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And, and we kind of sat there and spoke about it for a good sort of 10, 15 minutes and the end of it we sort of just said you know not many people how I found it was not many people go through their careers at clubs and have songs sung about That's them mm, very um, true. and you know and there's there's many people that I could probably name that, that don't have a song and that are playing in the Premier League for clubs um, so I really took that on board and I was just like I'm going to embrace this because it's actually it, it's quite funny and to be honest <laughs> with you I, I, I loved it and, then, and it was the best thing I ever done was to embrace it and actually go along with it because I think it actually it brought more to my game when I was playing and it was being sung because hearing that just it, it gives you another boost definitely I don't know if you remember
5: but I think I interviewed you it might have been at a player of the year do, but it was certainly for Cheltenham Live anyway the radio show
6: uh, and I no, said that's when I come second, I think. Yeah, and I said to
1: you that um, <laughs> still better. <bears.
5: laughs> yeah. you know, you're not bothered about that though. No. <laughs>
1: um,
5: and I think I said to you that the song, in in my mind, the song was not necessarily well. That how some people perceived it at least was that it was almost like an apology from the Charlton fans that they may have given you two, a bit of a hard time at the beginning without realising how good you were and so that's their way of saying yeah we thought that's what we thought you were but now we know you're not yeah. that's how I saw it no, right? I, I to- totally agree
7: with that totally agree and uh, and they had no, there was no other word that rhymed with um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> with brilliance <Yeah. laughs> I've got to say as well just a, a separate story um, before we get into match action um, I just spoke off air to you about it Laurie and I'm so glad this is is true, but this is a, one of my favourite Charlton-related oh, stories I've ever yeah. had. To this. So, some of you might recall uh, back in 2000, it would have been 2015, 16, around that era, uh, we played a Friday night friendly against Bolton, and you just left Charlton and playing for Bolton. Um, know, for whatever reason, I was there as a commentator. God knows how they got told me into going up to Bolton is on a Friday Bolton, night so, to do yeah. that, yeah. Um, and Laurie was playing for, for Bolton, and we had Guy Luzon in charge. And it wasn't even at the start of the match. It was probably around the 30-minute mark, I got told. And... Laurie bursts down the wing, does something quite nice, keeps the ball in play or something, does something really nice on the right-hand side, gets a round of applause from those who are in the ground, which wasn't many, to be honest. Probably more here today than it <laughs> was in that game. And uh, all of a sudden, Guy Luzon suddenly works out that Laurie Wilson's playing for Bolton and just starts shouting, Wilson! It's Wilson! It's Wilson! <laughs> and I'm so glad that you've heard that elsewhere. And I've not just made that up and been... been uh, Someone lied to lied to me about it. And I'm so glad that's a genuine, true story. It's no, one of my favourite stories. Definitely true.
6: Um, it was actually Johnny Jackson. Um, he he wasn't playing, and uh, he said it was the funniest thing that he's ever seen. He said they we, they was all sat on the bench, and obviously he said I'm watching I'm watching you. This is from Johnny. He's like I'm watching you sort of playing and stuff. He said, and you know you remember everyone remembers what Guy Luson was like. He was very agitated on, on, on the touchline. He would run up and down the touchline with the players and and bits and bobs. He said obviously you had gone past him, and then you was on your recovery run back. He said and uh, he then just clicked and realised that it was you he said and he turned around to the bench and was just going oh look this is Wilson,
7: Wilson. Oh, <laughs> <so brilliant.
5: laughs> he, had a, he had a few guy, did he, uh, stories about uh, Guy there are a few <laughs> <Yeah. of him. laughs> you my favourite my, my one is the Watford one where he couldn't uh, he couldn't get a work permit or he didn't have a work permit so uh, the club said that uh, don't worry he's not even in the country and as I'm interviewing Damian Matthews after the Watford loss he walked past
6: <laughs> 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 he walked right in front of the camera uh, oh, yeah, I remember that game uh, yeah Oh, oh, geez, don't. Don't. Yeah,
3: let's leave that there, shall yeah. we?
2: <laughs> right. So, welcome back to Charlton Live. That put a smile on my face. I hope it did uh, you guys as well. Laurie Wilson speaking uh, about his time at the club, in particular that song that was sung about him, but also quite a funny story there uh, involving Guy Lewis, which I had heard before, but it's funny to hear it from the uh, the horse's mouth there. Uh, and uh, yeah, if uh, I'm, I'm sure, if you were listening on the stream yesterday, you were seeing it was uh, it was great company and uh, great to have Laurie Wilson uh, back at the Valley yesterday. I don't know, uh, Terry. Did he say? what he's up to now because I think he just got he's just left Ebb's fleet has he does does he know what, what's coming next
5: yeah uh, I think he does he's going to go part time uh, so um, his contract was up actually it wasn't as if they, they just got rid of him or he decided to leave the contract was up and and he decided that uh, actually it was good timing uh, he's got this um, business plan that he's doing I think it's insurance uh, and so he's going to pursue that but at the same time then go part time play part time football so he still gets to play and he still earns a, something out of the game uh, and he's also looking at uh, potentially if he uh, if he enjoys if he enjoys yesterday uh, which I think he did then then maybe do a little bit of media as well maybe locally so yeah um I think uh, he seems a happy boy. He's, uh, he's he's still in good shape by the looks of it. He's uh, all, all with a plant based diet, which I have no <laughs> idea what that is, and I don't I don't begin to understand how people can uh, can survive on eating plants. But there we are. He seems to manage it, um, uh, and he just seemed to yeah he just seemed at well with himself and, and with the world. So it was good. It was and it was he was he uh, was a joy to have alongside.
2: Excellent. Yeah, great to see uh, Laurie Wilson back at the Valley yesterday. I'm sure we could do with a player with his endeavour. Uh, As we go into these final three games of the season, let's look ahead to the one coming up on Wednesday then, uh, Tom. Birmingham away. They've lost their last four. Um, They haven't won since coming back from uh, lockdown. In fact, they haven't won. The last time they won was away at Barnsley on the 11th of February uh, before lockdown. So it's a long time. Obviously, Plep Clotet was always going to be leaving at the end of the season, but he'd done so badly. Uh, recently they've decided to let him go slightly early. They've had a couple of caretakers in charge. Beaten 2-0 at Stoke today. Um, By the time Stoke went 1-0 up on 12 minutes, it could have been 3 or 4. Sam Klukas made it 2-0 just before half-time. They never came back into it in the second half. I didn't watch the second half, so I don't know if they performed any better, but I'd be surprised, judging by... I follow quite a few Birmingham fans on Twitter, judging by what they said. Um, This, I... It probably is must win. Although if we lose, we'll probably still be a point outside the relegation zone because that seems to be how it's going re- recently. But realistically, with the two games that follow after that, we we, we need to pick up a, a three points here. I don't I don't think we can we can even I don't think we can even come away with a point because we need to pick up three points. Don't you think, Tom? Um,
3: yeah, I think it has to be must win, and I go back to what I said earlier in the show that. If we can't beat a Birmingham side that, as you say, haven't won in in that amount of time and are all over the place, then I don't think we deserve to stay up, to be honest. Um, And I don't think it's going to be an easy game. They're going to make it difficult for us, I'm sure. But we have to go there and we we have to get all three points. And I don't really care who scores and I don't care how it goes in. We just need to get a goal and, and need to get a win and then... Wigan is still huge and I imagine still I was saying to someone I think on Twitter today that I still think it's going to come down to that last day unfortunately but um, yeah you're looking at that Birmingham game and you're thinking if we can't get three points there then where exactly are we going to do it so Absolutely
0: massive,
2: but de- mm. definitely must win. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it must be getting to that stage, Lewis, now, where obviously Lee has had to wrestle with uh, balancing players' minutes and making sure players don't play too much, otherwise they'll pick up an injury. But surely Wednesday, as you put your best team out, and does that include Alfie Doughty starting? Does that include Johnny Williams starting? Which way do you think, what decisions do you think Lee Bowyer has to make for Wednesday's game up at St Andrews?
4: I agree with you. I think he has to go and, and field his best eleven. I, I do wonder whether he'll play the the five at the back system that we did uh, against against Brentford. Because I, I, as much as we we didn't win that game in the end, I thought we were we were fairly effective. I thought we played quite well, and Alfie is very good going forward as a, as a wing back as a left back. He's sort of called upon more defensively. So whether they'll view that as a bit of a weakness I don't know but I, I think that he has to I, I don't think any anything else he's done since the restart has, would prevent him from walking into that starting 11 because I, as the, someone tweeted earlier and said he he has so much pace and he's so dangerous with the ball going forward his crossing's decent he seems to run it into the box and it's just as we say like, it's just about our, our strikers getting a toe on it or something or it bouncing off someone's shin and going in just that bit of luck is all we need and I, I think he has to field his best his best eleven. Um, Johnny, I'd like to see Johnny play, but he, again, he he hasn't really come back. Uh, as Bo said a couple of weeks ago, he's not he's not really come back the fittest. We saw him come on yesterday for 45. I thought he did okay. I, I thought he he played quite well up at Brentford, but got sort of kicked up in the air a little bit as he usually does. But and also, I I think that Albie has to start. I, I think Albie Morgan for me is so creative. And, and has so much about him yes has he made a couple of defensive mistakes probably but I do I agree with what Tom said earlier on in the show that the criticism is incredibly harsh because he can make things happen we had so many great chances from some of Alby's play that that's, to me that's probably more valuable um, so I'd like to see Alby start but also I'd, I would like to see Johnny play so it's just a case of squeezing all these midfielders in somehow but Ultimately, we've got to look at who's going to get us a goal, aren't we? And I think that Albi, although at the moment hasn't scored, has got a bit of a shot on him and he gets in good positions. And I think that sooner or later, he's going to manage to sort of hit one from distance from a corner and it's going to nestle in the top corner somewhere. But mm. it's uh, for me, we've got to go all out and, and just and go for it. I think you stick with the, with the 4-4-2 of him playing and just go out attacking and, and see what we can do. Um but, yeah, for me, Alfie doubtley has to come into that mm. side because he brings so much to the team
2: yeah w well Terry um Birmingham have conceded three goals on each of their last five home games they haven't kept a clean sheet at home since October Charlton aren't scoring goals with any any form of regularity at the moment, so something has to give um <laughs> i'm i'm hoping it's I'm hoping it's going to be asked at and not no, theirs
5: really <laughs> <more> love, <really. laughs> i'm yeah. I, look, the, the opportunity is there. Nobody can doubt that, and uh, they, we're, we're coming, against, uh, coming up against a club that is arguably, apart from necessarily behind the scenes, but certainly in this, uh, on the face of it, uh, in, in, on the pitch side of it, in a similar turmoil. So um, it, it is an opportunity, no question about it. And uh, I tend to agree with both the guys um, that. Um, we need to we need to go at Birmingham a little bit and, and really and really uh, worry them from the off. And I'd I'd be tempted, I think, and I wonder if Bowie would be to start the similar side that that played Brentford, because um, we yeah we went at Brentford in the first, in the opening sort of ten or fifteen minutes and uh, and got that goal and, and worried them. Obviously after that Brentford taught us a bit of a footballing lesson and dragged us all over the place and that's why we ran out of legs. You, you get the feeling that the teams like Birmingham aren't going to do that. So I'd like to see us take it to, to Birmingham, uh, and if we can get that goal up, and maybe even two at a push, then teams like Birmingham are going to struggle to break us down in the same way that Brentford did. So I'm wondering whether you start with well, like Alfie Dirty, definitely uh, Johnny Williams potentially, or even with Alby and then Johnny on later. We, if, if we can go at a team like Birmingham in the early stages and try and get that goal up. And then if we're hanging on, then I'd rather be. I fancy our chances to hang on against Birmingham, like we did against Hull, for example, than a team like
2: Brentford. No, we'll see. Look, it's a massive, massive game uh, on Wednesday. Don't forget to sign up to to Value Pass to make sure you can watch it. Uh, the streamer uh, will be commentated, of course, with uh, with Terry and Greg. That's what I'll be doing. I'll be watching at home and cheering on the boys and praying that we can get a massive three points. Right, let's draw a line then underneath uh, this week's show. Uh, Thank you to Tom, to Lewis and to Terry for joining me.
1: Cheers. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Good to hear from all of you guys. I've been uh, Louis Mendez uh, it was. Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that you guys listened uh, to the whole podcast. Thanks to all of you who joined in uh, as well with your emails. We'll be back on Thursday uh, to talk about whatever happens in uh, Wednesday's massive game at Birmingham. I'm praying that we'll have some good news for you. Thanks for listening to this week's show, and we'll speak to you in the week.